Hi, I'm Kathy, and welcome to Cathartic Conversations Launch Show. Today's topic is handling stress before and after the pandemic and recovery. This topic hits close to home for me as well. Though we travel different roads to get here, our plights were similar in a lot of ways. Today we have a guest with 20, 20 years, 19 years clean time and whose life reflects the gratitude he has to still be alive by always sharing his love for God and his experience, strength, and hope. Please welcome Richard Lester to Cathartic Conversations Podcast. Hey, Rich. Hey, Kat. How you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm fine. It's good to see you. And I haven't seen you in over a decade, so it's really good to see you. And it's, and it's good to see that we are we in the same spot. So that's what I meant by my intro when I said we travel different roads. But it seemed like we was traveling parallel somewhere. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So I made a little snafu, a little mistake. I said that you had 20 years, but you're almost there. Yeah, well. Speaking into existence, um, it's all one day at a time, and I, I just thank God for uh, keeping me. You know, um, you know, part of what you what you invited me to share about is uh, dealing with the stress and anxieties, not even from the pandemic, but uh, that that I've always dealt with, and the pandemic just really uh, was a way of me being able to really see how desperately. And I need help, you know, with dealing with those things, you know, because sometimes when we get clean, we uh, we stop using substance and then we're left to um, deal with some of the other things that come along with using the, or the, what the reasons why we use the substance. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I know, of course, every time I get ready. That's all right. <laughs> uh, and so. In, in the midst of the pandemic, I realized how how important it is, like the mental health part of uh, recovery, how important it is um, to to really do that that other part of recovery. So I thank God for uh, you inviting me for a topic such as this one. And hopefully when we share, when we talk, uh, that other people can really identify, right? I always believe that you know, even though the whole room may not need to hear it, it's always somebody that needs to hear what's being said. So that's, that's true. What my hope and wish is. I believe that too. And me just hearing in the news, like not too long ago, that uh, <clears throat> I didn't know what he passed from, but Ricky Smiley, the comedian Ricky Smiley's son, I heard that he battled, and Rich is coming out of Ricky Smiley's mouth itself, he battled with addiction for a long time. Say OD. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, um, can you share or speak to a little bit of a little bit of your journey to where you are now, and what kept you? Because I know that um, how important a personal relationship with God, even though it takes us a little time to get to that relationship, but that uh, the first couple of calls that you hear from God to me when you are <clears throat> out there uh struggling it's a whisper it starts as a whisper right. then uh 
to me, a tornado, then an avalanche. Can you share with our viewers some of the things it took you to possibly wake up calls that got you to the state? Oh, man. Well, um, we talk about uh, being spiritually awakened. Mm -hmm. and so uh, my, one of my spiritual awakenings came when I was still in active use, mm -hmm. usage. You know, I was still actively uh, using. And so I remember one day, um, I, I remember it like we're talking right now. I was in the midst of uh, doing what I was doing, and um, I remember just breaking down and saying, and again, I didn't grow up in church or the mosque, and, you know, spiritual, I, I just didn't, you know, it just wasn't in my household. You know, I knew it was a God, or I believed it was a God, but um, that wasn't something that I practiced uh, in my early years, so... Um, you know, when that happened, you know, I believe that God allows us as human beings, everybody has a different walk. I mean, he talks to people in different ways. And so that day, as I look, you know, I live forward, but I understand backwards, right? And so when I when I started understanding, like, oh, that was my spiritual awakening, right? Because then I realized, first of all, that I needed God. And second of all, that there was a guy, right? And he really wanted the best for me. So that was like the beginning. And again, like I said, it was probably like a year and a half to two years later before I really just said, you know what, God, I, you know, I know I didn't want to die like that, mm -hmm. but I didn't know how to live. Right. And so I needed guidance. Mm -hmm. and so, you know, not, you know, so much, you know, God uses people. That's the truth. And a lot of times, you know, what I mean, we we get so so spooky sometimes, you yeah. know. And I don't think we do it, you know, intentionally trying to sound spooky, but you know, God uses people, and so um, my journey with God, my spirituality, um, again, it, it's so it's so. I'm still learning so many things about God. So mm -hmm. for me to say like, okay, well, I'm at this point, and I don't <laughs> want to go no further, so. Right. Yeah, that that's where it all began. It began, man, like early two thousands. Mm -hmm. Early two thousands. And so okay. I'm just grateful to be where I am in my relationship with God. I'm I'll tell you this and I'll let you go. Mm -hmm. Um if it wasn't for my relationship with God, see, because again, you know, getting clean is one layer. That's right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, using drugs and being out there and doing all the other stuff that comes with it. Mm -hmm. That was one layer of the onion. Right. And so once I peeled that layer, then another layer was there, you know. Um, and so, you know, again, that's why it's a process, you know what I mean? And so and it's all one day at a time. So I'm grateful for it. If I didn't have my relationship with God, I promise you I would have went back. I believe that. And I and that and that and that's with me also. I yeah. believe that. Yeah. So Richard, um, how about the addict whose family has turned their back on them? Can you speak to the value of their lives and to the mere fact that they were born, that they matter and need to give themselves a chance to give it a chance to take that risk to get clean? Well, I can speak to it, you know, uh, from uh, 
a personal perspective yeah. and and you know from clinical being in this field right mm -hmm. in this field and dealing with the clinical side of it um first of all don't ever give up on nobody you know that would be my first recommendation to a family member who you know of course you get tired of dealing with the you know dealing with with the ups and downs of uh addicts behaviors and things of that nature that's true but i will say because you never know nobody woke up one day and said you know what i want to be a crackhead mm -hmm. i want to be an alcoholic right? i want to be a dope addict you know what i mean i want to be homeless nobody wakes up in the morning and says those things mm -hmm. right and so it is an illness right and it is a source of being able to deal with things you know from the street level you know mm -hmm. because then you got the clinical le level where you're on drugs, you're using drugs, but the drugs are supposed to keep you stabilized. And mm -hmm. so for me, um, when you're dealing with people who are still struggling, the family members who, um, to be honest with you, my mom was the last person that really, I believe that really believed that there was hope for me mm -hmm. because, you know, I kept on doing the same thing over and over you know i would go to the county jail you know and the county jails was my detox centers, mm -hmm. right and i thank god for the county jails right i thank god for the police today because i needed to be rescued right and i believe every time i went in and i came out i came out better even though i still had some of my old ideals i just got better so um speaking into family members that uh, may be at that point where they just don't think it's going to get better um, just hold on, you know what I mean? And and understand <clears throat> that this is the time where the spirituality has to take place, right? Like you you just got to allow a person or, or people to go through their process, right? That's true. You know, because we talk about rock bottoms and, and recovery, right? Everybody's rock bottom is different. Hmm. Some people, you know, may have had a car accident, so they stopped drinking. You know, it was that was their rock bottom, right? right? Some people, you know, experience prison. Some people experience hardship with uh with uh health issues and all different. There's so many different ways that we come to our rock bottom. Or we come to a place of, you know, um, just wanting to change. You know, so my my thing uh, speaking to family members, I always tell people don't give up on people because right when you give up is probably when they really need you the most. That's the truth. They need you the most mm -hmm. because believe me, deep down inside, they may be acting contrary to the the person that you once knew. That's right. Um, but understand that they're dealing with an issue. Mm -hmm. And you may not know nothing about it. Mm -hmm. But stay vigilant, stay uh prayerful, and and just you know, now don't go for their nonsense. Yeah, don't yeah, become, I don't got become, you. Don't become, you know, uh, uh, enabler. Exactly. You know, let them go through their process mm -hmm. and let them know that somebody still loves them because love is what's going to draw. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So don't give up on people. Yeah, that's what I would say. That was good, Rich. Um, and to go a little further in there, um, this this question came to me from somebody. And it was like, um, could you possibly discuss the fact that generation, the generation, some of us have witnessed the cycles play out. Sometimes it's whole families. And 
they said um, sometimes that's where we lose hope. We think we have to take part in that cycle. We think this is a part of our foundation. It's a part of our bloodline. Can It's probably a repetitive question. It, it sounds different. Can you say something about um, cycles are made to be broken? Can you speak about that and oh, wow. how we are individuals when we come to the earth and our purposes are bigger, bigger than the cycles that we are born into sometimes? Absolutely. So uh, one of the things I always tell people that blaming people would never change anything, right? And, you know, my parents and did the best they could do. That's what helps me. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't excuse whether I feel a certain type of way about certain things. Right. Right. But the good thing um, that I, I thank God for is that my parents are still around, you know. So a lot of the conversations that um, I want to have, I, I'm still able to have some of those conversations, right? And it takes courage because you got to remember when you ask a question, you can't determine what the answer is going to be, right? right? It may be an answer that you're not ready to uh, to have, mm-hmm. you know, or, or to accept. That's right. And so um, generationally, um, if you do if you do study, right, like if I do study on my family history, right, um, somewhere along the line, somebody may have dropped the ball, right? Mm-hmm. And and again, you know, I'm not one who... who who does a lot of pointing fingers. When I point a finger, I'm really pointing a finger to try to come up with a solution to change, right? right? You know, I'm not really pointing a finger to belittle nobody or say, oh, it's their fault because, you know, this happened or that happened. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we choose to do that because we we don't have the courage mm-hmm. to face the things that are true, right? Um, the truth is our parents did the best they could do and, um, Yes, I know there's cases when some people just don't. Mm-hmm. But I choose to believe that my parents did the best they could do. And so one of the things I would say um, is that the change that you're looking for or you're expecting, let it start with you. Exactly. That, I that believe change, that too. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's, you know, exactly. So, so uh, I knew, you know, in my addiction, my, my oldest child, you know, she caught she caught the, the, the brunt of me not being there. Right. So I, I play my own tape. Right. I don't play my mom's tape. I don't play my dad's tape. Right. I play my own tape and I say, wow, you know, some of the things that affected me or I wish that I would have had. Right. I turned around and didn't give those things. Right. Mm-hmm. In, in one case. Right. And then so God allowed me to have another child after I um, in the beginning. Well, he called a year of me still running. You know, but he was too young to really understand it. Right. You know, but um, now, matter of fact, called two years because he's twenty-one now. But the difference in the children is that my daughter, she didn't believe in herself. Right. Right. Because daddy, daddy didn't tell her she was beautiful. Daddy mm-hmm. didn't tell her, you know, that she, you know, she was great and you know, all the things that that will enrich her. To right. believe that she can do anything mm-hmm. right now, and has Daddy tried to make up for the time? Of course, I do. You know, but it's something about getting a person when they're young and placing placing that type of stuff. You know, speaking those type of affirmations into their life when they're young. And so, some of the things that didn't happen for me, 
you know, or I didn't do even in my daughter's life. I try to do in my son's life. And still, you know, if you talk to my son, he'll tell you what my dad, you know, he tries to, he probably gives me everything. Like I give him everything and, and I have to explain to him. I said, first of all, tomorrow's not <clears throat> promise. And so when you deal with generational curses, right, I, I tell them about my shortcomings, right? I don't use my, my mom or my dad. So some of the things that, uh, well, one of the generational curses was broken in my bloodline because my son graduated. Right, right. My son is about to uh, graduate, not from high school, but also graduated <clears throat> from college. So a generational curse was broke right right there, right? Why? Because I believe that, you know, me changing my life, uh -huh. my world. Um, would I do do I wish I would have done things different? Of course I do. But um 2020 is hindsight, you know. Um, I'm just grateful that, <clears throat> you know, my son is where he is right let me speak to that mm -hmm. i have to speak to that because okay. when you when you said something about the differences between your son and your daughter it hit me in the middle of my square in the middle of my chest mm -hmm. let me tell you something when god allowed you and seen that you was heeding the call we already know where we fell short when we were doing what we was doing and our children were lacking in, like you said, that uh, confirmation of love, mm -hmm. that, that encouragement to a young girl as she's in her formative years. But trust me, at every stage that you've went through since you've been in recovery, those are enrichment stages enrichment stages that you can give her from where you are where you are at right at this moment you can enrich her from where you are when you where you are now yes you're giving her something now <laughs> that is going to be so valuable to her as she's growing up into she's a woman as she's continuing as she's continuing, but you could still, you're still, oh, absolutely. you're, no, st I mean, you're so still she enriching. Me, she tells me uh, that's something that's, that's beautiful. You said that. Yeah. It was one of the things my daughter tells me. She's like, Daddy, I brag about you so See? much. Just about your <laughs> journey, you know, and, you know, I just talk about like what you do for me now. So I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100%. It's never too late. That's another thing we can speak to. Right? That enrichment piece? Oh, my God. I'm just glad it's you used that word. But you have to, it, it takes courage. It takes courage. And have those conversations. And it also takes the willingness for right. our children right. to want to hear us at this stage. Because Absolutely. I dealt with the same thing. I mean, Amir, that's my youngest son, is 12. Now, uh, my children, who are well in their late 20s, early 30s, they said Amir is getting the best part of me that they didn't get. But they also see the enrichment and the growth in me, and they're trying to get to know this person now. So they agreed to start from where I'm at today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, like you said, it's a partnership, right? 
So I think my daughter goes through stages of uh, she forgives me, but then she looks in the mirror and she and, and sees where she is. And so I always have to remind her. I said, "Sweetheart, listen, you're my firstborn." Mm-hmm. And listen, and you know, God may have kept us apart because of the state of mind that I was in. Exactly. Right. So it, even though it, it, it seems like it was so bad, it could have been worse. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm, I'm just grateful that, um, like you said, you know, it's never too late. And, and it's a decision. Once they're grown, yeah. I said, sweetheart, daddy can't make you do nothing. Mm-hmm. Now, my son, on the other hand, he'll tell you a different story. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, I can't make her do nothing right now. I can only suggest to her today. And today, thank God, you know, that my suggestions are are not only valid, but they want it. You know, my daughter wants, you know, when she's going through a tough time, right? She wants me to to get my uh, my input on how she should go about it, right? right. Or how she should deal with things. So again, generational curses, right? You got to be the change that you're looking for, right? Because it's so easy to point that finger. Absolutely. You know, I agree with that. Nobody grows from pointing the finger. Mm-hmm. I agree, Rich. All right, Rich, here's another one. Now, <laughs> if you travel to any year in a time machine, what year would you choose and why? Time machine? In a time machine. Oh, time machine. What year would you choose and why? I'll give you a second. Okay, if I traveled in a time machine. Um, there's years that I will go back and change. Um, you got one. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, okay, if I could travel in the time machine and go back and change the year, mm-hmm. uh, man, I probably was 24 years old mm. when I started uh, venturing, experimenting. Mm-hmm. You know, um, um, drug use. You know, so if I can go back and change in a year, mm-hmm. um, and it would be that year that I was like 24, um, because it was like I was working. Mm-hmm. You know, I worked early in my in my youthful years. You know, in my younger years, right. I worked. And so at that time, I believe I was working at Middlesex Hospital. And, um, you know, some of my buddies was in the streets. I wasn't really in the streets like that right there, but I started experimenting. So that would be a year mm-hmm. that I wish I could go back and um, and change um, because that died, that um, that year was pivotal for me because. Um, so early 20s, you say? Early 20s, mm-hmm. early 20s. I would. Uh, I would definitely have done some things um, differently. Hmm. Good, yeah. good answer. Good, very good answer. Because I think I feel the same way. Early twenties was was pivotal for me too. Um, and me not knowing who I was at the time—that was a part of the seeking. Right. And it went along with that. So yeah, my early twenties too. All right. Well, Rich, introvert or extrovert? Oh, and that's self-explanatory. <laughs> <laughs> that's self-explanatory. Yeah. 
But I'm a, I'm a good. Why would I ask that question? I'm a good introvert because I can interact. Right. You know, I'm not one of those people that, um, because you know, again, from 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 drug use, right, and getting into a whole new world, right, mm-hmm. in my 20s, like, like you you start off like everybody cracked me up when they said he was always popping. Now nah, you was green once upon a time. Exactly. You learned. You learned. Because you had to relearn to be in order to, to live in that lifestyle, That's you true. had to now become something <laughs> that you wasn't created to be. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, it caused me because I was a happy go lucky guy early on, mm-hmm. thinking that you love me the way I loved you, you'll do for me what I do for you. All right. And boy, that was the furthest from the truth. Mm-hmm. And so it caused me to say, whoa. You know, um, I need to really. I I take a person through the the, the, the scepter. <laughs> any any people, anybody that that's my associate today. I don't use the word friend, right? Um, loosely, you mm-hmm. know. So a lot of that comes from um, trusting people. Uh, the introvert um, personality it comes from lack of trusting people. So I, I learned how to, you know, again, those those characteristics come from being let down. Wow. I hear you. And I didn't know you was an um, introvert either. Yeah. I wouldn't even identify you as that if somebody would have asked me. Yeah, I am. Wow. Yeah, I am. Now, that's a, fa- that's a fact I didn't know. Yeah. Okay. I like spending time. I, like, I, I don't feel like I'm losing nothing by being with myself. I could consider myself that. And we, yeah. we two different kind, but yeah. I could... <laughs> All righty. So, um, Rich, okay. I consider myself an empathic personality, right? Mm-hmm. I des- I describe it as <clears throat> having a great deal of empathy for people and very sensitive to the condition of others. How do you discern the difference between helping and enabling? Dig that enabling. <laughs> field in the recovery field uh you you learn early on well i remember why you know um, because i believe there's safety in the multitude of counsel right i believe that i believe that i'm not the sharpest knife in the cabinet right mm-hmm. and i like to surround myself with people who are sharper than i am right and so in this one encounter with um with a, a christian counselor that i was seeing at the time um one of the things she she said to me was um in the field make sure that you keep an, an uh a filter mm-hmm. right so that you won't own other people's stuff wow i hear you i right? hear you because it, it'll cause you to be burnt out so empathy and 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 and, and enabling right it's a fine line right mm-hmm. because you may okay i can speak from from experience so this younger Indian guy that I've been, I was mentoring for 13 years, he has 13 years of uh, sobriety, right? Mm-hmm. It became more of, he was like a little brother to me. Right. Right. And so, you know, even though we came from different parts of the world and I just believe that God brought us together. Right. right? And so some of the things that I was, or that we allowed, uh, well, I allowed because I was older and I had a little more wisdom than he did. Um, I, you know, I knew it was some things that I needed to tell him 
but because I was trying to spare his his feelings, mm-hmm. I didn't tell. Him. Right. Right. So I was becoming an uh, enabler to him. Mm-hmm. Right. I was compassionate and, and all that type of stuff. And so one day, you know, we had, uh, well, I like to say he had, you know, a uh, blow up. And it was, it was then, you know, because it, I knew where it was coming from. So mm-hmm. I didn't take it personal. And I said, um, it's time for you to find somebody else to take to the next level. Mm, I like the way you said that. <laughs> yeah, it's time for you to find somebody to take you to the next level. Okay. We have, and that part of our relationship has expired mm-hmm. because I'm not helping you. Right. Right. And so um, I had to, first of all, because I think I know something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I had to realize that, yo, you know something, but right now you're not, you're not helping him. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you have to give up that job and, and just, uh, and be happy. First of all, that didn't cause you guys to fall apart. You know what I mean? So it's a very thin line and you have to, just to ask yourself, when am I being an enabler? Like if you know somebody, like say if I have a mentee mm-hmm. and I know they're doing unhealthy things. Right. And I don't say nothing. I'm enabling that person. Mm-hmm. I'm doing them more harm than good. That's true. Even though you know, as the messenger, you sometimes get shot. You know, put that the truth. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the but, truth. Yeah, you know that line <laughs> is, is is sometimes it's easy to uh, get mixed up. So you know, you just gotta use wisdom. You know, when you deal with that. So you gotta use your own discernment. You gotta use your own wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know? Okay, Rich. Um, what? Have you thought about what's your legacy? And if so, what do you want it to be? Oh, wow. Well, the rest of my life from, from now on, this life that I have left to live, um, it's all about, um, as you can see when I sing your little son, you know, I'm speaking life into younger people. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what... No, not just my children or my grandchildren, but uh, or my nieces and my nephews. Um, but I believe that when I was uh, ripping and running, you know, um, and this has nothing to do with what you, well, it does have something to do with what you're asking me. So this one day, this brother, his son died. Uh-huh. He's 29 years old. And I was calling to offer my condolences. Mm-hmm. And we hung up. I said, Phew. he called me right back. He said, Rich, would you speak to, would you speak, would you say something at the funeral? Wow. Now he's 29, mm-hmm. right? 31 years younger than me. I'm like, what? So right away, I had to get in prayer. I had to get in God's face. And I said, God, what? could I say to these young people mm-hmm. who probably seen me acting a fool in my addiction. Which is and even better. one of the things that God gave me was just simply tell them you're sorry. Apologize to them. Don't give them the 10-point plan on how to be successful in life. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we do that, you know, once we, we get a little breath of fresh air, we began to tell people how it works for us mm-hmm. and um, not 
take into account that it works for everybody differently. You know what I mean? And so one of the things that my legacy will always, what one of the things that I'm trying to build in, you know, um, uh, leaving the earth when I'm gone mm-hmm. is uh, change, right? Um, my story. Right. My story of hope, right? That is never too late. You know, because some people may tell you it's too late. Mm-hmm. Like you missed your call or you can't do this. So when I open my mouth, it's really, you know, when I tell my story, I'm telling my story because the good thing about God is he's not a respecter of people. Mm-hmm. Right? We we put all these different hats on God, right? But God is not a respecter of persons. What he did for one person, he'll do it for you. That's so right. my my story is always my legacy. When I leave, when I die, I want people to remember. Like, first of all, he cared about the underdog. Mm-hmm. That's right. Like, I care about the underdog. The underdog matters to me more than the person who was sitting on the hill. Mm-hmm. I'm an underdog to that person. You know, I'm always, you know, I always want to be able to speak to that person that feels like there's no hope. Mm-hmm. So that's one of my legacy. One of the things that I want to leave as, um, you know, and that's from a broad perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, hope, legacy of hope that there's ne- is never too late. That's a nice legacy. It's it's like mine. Mine is the same thing. Um, since this whole journey started with me, and I really started figuring out who I was as a person. Um, I think that was something that always radiated from me because I started getting people in my inboxes. Can I talk to you? People just pulling at me and not really pulling at me, but just asking me for my advice and asking me, can I, can I share with them? What do I think about this? What that's what started me because I was like, this is not by coincidence. This is God showing up in my life and he's directing me and he's guiding me and he's showing me in areas that I am needed. You see, because I have a tendency of thinking of people always trying to think that uh, just because you have a lot of clean time under your belt, you're showing up with vibrato. You're showing up trying to trying to shine, trying to be uh, live your life basically in ego. No, I'm motivated by God. I'm motivated by that inkling that I call, I always say it comes from my chest because I could feel it burning in my chest when I'm giving people advice. It's like I'm not coming from my head, but I'm coming from here. I know that's my spirit speaking to me. So um, legacy will definitely be given back, will, will definitely be the voice from the for the voiceless because I was the voiceless. So um, I like your answer, Rich. Yeah. Now, uh, where are we at now? Um, We did that. We did the generation to generation. Um, hmm, We did believing in God is at the top of the page. Um, Hmm. Wow, this is a nice one. I didn't even see that up here. Okay, it says here, was there a time 
when you notice that you were in denial before you had that epiphany or that awakening that started you going in the right direction? Mm, in denial? Nah. Never in denial? I mean, in areas, yeah, yeah. You know, I think uh, every human being on the face of the earth is in denial about something. But, you know, when I went, so ask that again. Let me hear you correct. I think this question was formulated for, you know, how sometimes we we get that, that whisper from God. Mm -hmm. And we say, no, you're not calling me right now. I'm coming later on. That type of scenario. Mm, nah, um, again, you know. I know it's you, but later. I'll be there later. Right. <laughs> if it was two years later, well, I, I can't even say I know it was God. Because, again, I didn't grow up. Mm -hmm. In that spiritual setting, like going to church, mosque, and places like that. Um, so that's interesting. You said, Yeah, that. I didn't. I didn't. I met God when I got clean. Really? The same day. The same day I walked into, I walked into a church service, and when I walked up and gave my life to God, it was like. You know, I had the conversation, and again, it like I'm talking to you. I was like, "Well, I tried everything else, mm -hmm. and I heard one time, you know, um, that you could put your misery at the door. Right? If this didn't work, you can always return back to your misery. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, no, um, it was it was like the spiritual awakening was him walking me through the realities of my life. Wow. The realities was if I didn't change, mm -hmm. the end was near. Mm -hmm. That was my reality. Right. And to be honest with you and very, very frank with you, I didn't mind leaving. Mm -hmm. I didn't mind dying. Wow. I was tired of being who I was. And so um, when people, you know, they, they put so many uh conditions on having a relationship with God um you know and you know again you know it's different for everybody but for me it was like okay I tried this mm -hmm. I, I I went up there you know the lady it was it was all set up I was in Richmond Virginia and I walked up you know walked in this healing ministry just going being nosy and um you know, they began to to pray and stuff like that. And this this lady who I don't know from a can of spray paint, mm -hmm. she she gestured to me and offered me to come up. And as I was going up, I was set on my differences with my differences, you know, because this mind, you know, we always like to, you know, think intellectually we gotta understand everything. Mm -hmm. Well, with this relationship with God, because God is the spirit, you know what I mean? It takes away from all your intellect, right? Mm. And so being that I was like what I like to call, I was I was at my rock bottom. And I couldn't go nowhere else but up. And so when I when I when I um gave myself to God, um, you know, listen, it it, it was just one of those things where that's my monument, and I will always remember that, right? And so, you know, it's a reading that we read. In, in, matter of fact, it's in the uh, 
literature of AA. It said God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Right. Right. Getting clean was the easy part. That's right. <laughs> That's, That's the right. Easy part, right. Because all you got to do is really just do the same thing you did yesterday today. Mm -hmm. Don't go to the liquor store. Don't go on the block. Don't, you know what I'm saying? That's right. Don't go to the doctors trying to get no whole lot of prescriptions. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and just be mindful mm -hmm. that you know who you are, right? Mm -hmm. You know who you are, excuse me. Okay. Um, you know who you are as a person. And so, um, man, it, it, you know, all those questions are, are just good, you know. But again, you know, like one of the reasons why I really accepted this, this uh, invitation was because that, you know, a lot of people won't go to church because of whatever reason they have, right? A lot of people won't go to NA, right? They, You know, it's almost like we always got these dividers, right? Or oh, I ain't going to NA because I used to drink. Mm -hmm. Or oh, I ain't going to AA because I ain't never do no drugs. You know, we always have these little dividers in, in, in society, right? Mm -hmm. And it makes it harder for us to really just settle down and say, get in your own personal space. Mm -hmm. You gotta get in your own personal space. And like this canvas that's back here, right. that's empty. Right. It has nothing on it, right? Mm -hmm. But in life, that that's not an empty canvas. My my life is not an empty canvas, that's right. right? That's right. So my life speaks to me. Mm -hmm. Right? It, it's, it, it's gonna speak to you. All your the time. Life is going to speak All to the you. Time. Right? Nobody has to tell you that you need to get some help. That's right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's right. So uh, my life. That's is why. Still that's hurt. why I was really curious when you said that where you met God at, right. because if you know that life speaks to you all the time, that's Him speaking. Right. That's Him speaking. That's, that's God speaking to you. Right? If I tell anybody, if you reflect back, you'll know that that was Him speaking. He was talking. He was talking. <laughs> but so, like so many times, you know, we don't want to do. We think we got to give up something in order to do God's will. Mm -hmm. God said, come as you are, right? That's right. And we put conditions, you know, today's society put conditions on how God moves. Good intro, because I was about to ask you, um, today is different than our day. Right. Oh, my God. Right. So, so I want you to speak before we close mm -hmm. to this. Oh man! Every time I think about it, my eyes start welling up. Th speak to this, this drug that's taking life in leaps and bounds more than our time, more than our era. Speak to. We don't even know that severity, Rich. We don't know that one. We we got out of it. Thank God we were saved before we even delved into that. This is something. That's over our head, but I think that you can pull some words up and speak to anybody right now that's out there struggling with this fentanyl pandemic. I'm going to call it a pandemic that's taking lives and leaps and bounds. This say anything that comes to your heart and from your spirit. Well, of course, um, you know, uh, the fentanyl crisis. Yes, the crisis. The cri it is a crisis. Right. It definitely is. A crisis. The, the, the names always change. It's funny how the names change uh, when when it affects a certain people. But I ain't gonna touch that. But um, so fentanyl. Fentanyl. First of all, it helps me because I again I'm in my mirror, right? Fentanyl. It you no. Know, fentanyl says to me that Rich, if you go back, 
you won't stand a chance because mm-hmm. you're greedy in yourself. So you like to do things from that introvert place, mm-hmm. right? But to speak to it today, um, I would just tell people from from my experience, right? Um, I watched a couple people go through the, the withdrawals of fentanyl. Oh, okay. And it's, it's no. crazy. I can't even imagine. It's crazy. And it's like, it, it fills my heart with so much more gratitude, right? Because first of all, thank God, but for the grace of God, they go on, right? Mm-hmm. So today I would I would I would uh speak to a person that is struggling or maybe thinking about using. Don't, if you if you've never used it, don't use it. Because it's highly addictive. It's it, a good time to plug your spot too. Yeah, yeah, okay. And and, and so <laughs> even yeah, thank you. Thank You're you welcome. for that, right? Thank you for that space. And so even with uh with the ministry that I do in the church, uh it's called Arm Ministry. Um uh, mm-hmm. and we meet every Tuesday night. As a matter of fact, this Tuesday today is gonna be our first meeting and uh we're gonna do Zoom, but we're also gonna meet in person. Wonderful. Um at uh Abundant Life Family Worship Church in New Brunswick, uh, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, and the time is going to be at 7 o'clock. We meet from 7 to 9 okay. p.m. Okay. every Tuesday night. But one of the things that I will speak to about the fentanyl, the fentanyl, if you never use, please do not use. If you are currently using, then I would implore you to get the help, get the professional help that you need. Mm-hmm. you got to remember that fentanyl, is a killer, first of all, right? And if a if a doctor gives you fentanyl, right, he's usually using it, using it to put you to sleep in the operation or something like that. So right. it's so serious that this drug today, but because like you said, right, I'm an old timer. I come, I lived in the AIDS pandemic, I lived in the crack cocaine pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so fentanyl is is a different drug, but yeah. it's all the same it's it's almost a conspiracy yeah I, I, we, we ain't got enough time for that <laughs> it's almost, it's almost a, you know and and so if you if you don't use please don't try that um and again i just thank you for this opportunity rich thank you for coming to my launch thank you for coming to cathartic conversations podcast and before you leave um i created this board and you use the word hope a couple of times in our interview. And the board is called the Board of Hope and Perseverance. Um, I would love for you to sign the board and under the under your name, put a word or a quote of hope or of perseverance, whatever you would like, and speak it aloud so the universe, you can send it up to the universe and it could be heard. Oh, yeah, you got them. Yes. Oh, that pen should have been darker. It's light.
What's the word, Rich? Keep pressing. I love it. (laughs) Keep pressing. I love it. No matter what, keep pressing. And that is the end of our broadcast. And I thank all the viewers for watching. And hopefully I will see you next week on Cathartic Conversations Podcast. My name is Kathy. Peace. Amen.